Welcome to Amazing Business Radio with best-selling author and customer service and business expert, Shep Hyken. Shep will talk with some of the smartest thinkers in business to help make you more successful in your professional and personal life. This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken. Hello, everybody. It's Shep Hyken here. We're back with another episode of Amazing Business Radio. We have a great guest today. His name is Michael Hinshaw, and he is the author of a brand new book titled Experience Rules, co-authored, by the way, with another amazing customer experience expert, Diane Majors. Uh, she won't be joining him. We'll be talking with Michael today, but I am excited for you to learn all about his book. Now, before we get into the interview, a big announcement. You know what it is if you've heard this show before. If you've got an amazing story that you want to share or a question that you have that you want to ask, just reach out to me on any social media channels. I am everywhere, and you can find me Twitter, Facebook, or now I guess it's X slash Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, et cetera, et cetera. If it is a question, use the hashtag AskShep, and I'll answer the question right there in the social channel. I may answer it on this show. I might answer it in my newsletter, the Shepherd Letter, or on my TV show, Be Amazing, or Go Home, which can be found on Apple TV, Amazon Prime, uh, Roku, and if you go to YouTube. Uh, but guess what? Make it even easier for you. Just go to this URL, go to beamazing.com. That's be amazing. I'm sorry, beamazing.tv, beamazing.tv. Go there and you will find all episodes. So let's jump into our interview with Michael. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Jeff. Glad to be here. I'm excited. You have a brand new book that's coming out in just a few weeks. And the title of that book is Experience Rules. And I'm going to second that emotion. <laughs> and you've written it with a, a colleague, uh, Diane Majors, who I actually had the privilege of being on the platform with. We had, uh, we were both keynote speakers and an event down in the Caribbean, which people go, wow, that you've got a great job. You get to go to the Caribbean and, and exotic places like that. And the answer is yes, we do. But guess what? I flew in the night before, did my speech, and I was out that afternoon. The only thing I got was ballroom burn. Same with Diane, by the way. Yeah, not, not a lot time. of time on the beach. <laughs> <laughs> nope. So let's talk about experience rules. Well, first of all, let's talk about you for a moment. I love actually your last book, which the title is just a wonderful title, Smart Customers, Stupid Companies. And when we were talking, getting uh, just hanging, hanging out before we started the interview, you mentioned your cocktail response, <laughs> cocktail party response for what you do. So, so what do you do for a living, Michael? Uh, well, I don't know if I'll give you the cocktail party response. Oh, come on. Time. That's what I'm looking for. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no. Okay. So we, we basically help companies uh, make more money by screwing their customers less. Ooh. <laughs> uh, and, I mean, we've all, we've all been there, right? Um, yeah. As, as consumers, as business buyers, whatever. I mean, lots of times, particularly in the business that we're in, we interact with the company and think, what are they doing? <laughs> How can they possibly do this? And they do it with impunity regularly and often. I don't think it's intentional. Um, it's just the way the systems are built, right? They're designed to help the companies more than they're designed to help the customers. So part of our job is to help them figure out how to help their customers do things more easily and better. And, you know, to your point, I don't think every company is like that. As a matter of fact, I think more and more companies wish they would do the latter part of what you just talked about. And I think a lot of companies are trying to make the effort to do so, but sometimes they just can't get out of the way in spite of themselves, yeah. uh, even if they're trying. Because it, it, takes, it doesn't take one person at the top saying, let's do this, and then expect it to happen. There's a lot of things, which is one of the reasons your latest book, Experience Rules, 
has a lot of these different tactics and strategies yeah. throughout that are going to help companies. Uh, not it's not that they want to screw their customers less. It's that it'll allow them to make less mistakes and ideally uh, create systems that will avoid mitigate uh, avoid completely or mitigate these mistakes or problems yeah. that customers have. Yeah, I mean, oftentimes as as you point out, right? They're unintentional. There's they don't sit there and go, "Ooh, we're going to really get them this time," right? <laughs> but it's absolutely something that organizations need to have a discipline or a rigor or a system around to help them deliver better experiences and do so more consistently and systematically. Uh, a lot of times, you know, it may be a top-down dictate. There may be, you know, change bubbling from within, but it needs to be top-down, bottom-up, and, and side-to-side. And there needs to be the tools and the frameworks internally that actually allow companies to make this part of their DNA. Yeah. The other day I had an experience, I'm not going to tell you the name of the airline, but their initials are American Airlines, AA, anonymous airlines, no, American Airlines. And by the way, my favorite airline, airline of choice, they take really good care of me. And here's an example of what happened. Uh, my wife and I were on separate reservations, but on the same itinerary. I added her to the reservation or added her to joining me on a trip. So we were on separate reservations and I called to make a change to both reservations on this past Saturday morning. Probably spent 30 to 40 minutes getting this done because we were on separate reservations. And when it was all said and done, thought it was all taken care of. I received a confirmation that my change had been made and I assumed she received one as well, but she didn't. And when, for whatever reason, we went in just yesterday to check on this is, I guess we're getting ready to, to take this trip and make sure everything's fine. I said, what are your seat assignments? Are you near me? And it turns out that they did not change. The person I was talking to had not finished changing whatever it is in the record. And she was still on the original flight. So I called and the person said, I can switch you, but you know, you're going to pay more money. I go, well, you don't understand. I was on the phone. I spent 45 minutes. So finally, after a little digging, she said, you're right. Uh, I can see you spent 42 minutes talking to a reservation. Both, both the records were open. One of them was completed and the other one wasn't. Our bad, our mistake. Let me see what I can do. She comes back a few minutes later and I was willing to wait because it was obvious she was out to help me, right? She came back, she goes, and by the way, under normal circumstances, there would have been a big price difference changing the flight the way we did. She says, we're just going to do an even swap and move her. Unfortunately, I, I have to pull and start the record over. And so we're not going to get her the same seat. Is, is that okay? I don't know why that was the case, but what did I care? She was doing everything she could to take care of me. The system didn't work by accident. Human error, somebody didn't push the final it button. It happens, right? It happens. But the way they restored my confidence is when they take care of And I believe customers have to be diligent. They I mean, and I have a great relationship with American, but any customer that can see this is common sense. Why, you know, why is this not being taken care of the right way? As soon as the other person recognizes it's common sense too, you're in alignment and you're off to the races. So I don't know if that has anything to do with what you're talking about here today, but I believe it does. You know, you got to create a system that allows people to work within it. Yeah. And shifting, I mean, there's there's the human side of systems, right? Is how what people's attitudes are, how yep. they approach problems, like you know, the example you just gave, the rep that you were talking to, not only had an interest in helping you, 
even though her, you know, the technical systems, the data, et cetera, was not necessarily perfect and human error, obviously the first time, but the reality is she had the authority and the autonomy to make that change for you. I'm sure you've bumped into, I know I have many instances where the person wants to help you and they literally cannot, they are not allowed to their systems, their authority, their level of responsibility, their role, whatever it is. It's the logical thing. They understand it's the logical thing. You know, it's the logical thing. And they go, there's nothing I can do. My hands are tied. Yeah. I'm pretty (laughs) sure that she went to get this taken care of and get approval from someone else, which is why I was put on hold for a while. Uh, But it doesn't matter. Your point is well taken. So let's talk about the book. Uh, why'd you write the book? I mean, I love the concept and and it's three, uh, I, I love acronyms, XOS, experience, by the way, it's not E for experience, it's X for experience, the experience operating system. This is what your whole book is about. Yeah. And so the, the reason that we wrote the book ultimately is because, you know, as you've seen in the last, I don't know, let's call it five to seven years organizational leadership not only sees, but they embrace the fact that it's better to be customer-centric than it isn't, right? There is actually a financial return to it. It's your employees have have a better relationship with the company and with the customers. And there's just a whole raft of reasons why delivering great customer experience is a good thing for companies to do. But <laughs> it's not simple. And one of, you know, whether it's existing systems, processes, whatever, things designed for the company rather than for customers, all those kinds of things. What, what we wanted to do is to take a, a number of things that are known, right? We know that to succeed in customer experience, you need to better understand your customers. You need to measure how well you're doing. Uh, you need to have a framework that helps you manage decisions internally around customers. And many of these things are done today in organizations, but they're done in a siloed manner. You've got measurement in one part of the business. You've got experience design in another part of the business. You've got technology that comes in after all the other stuff takes place. So what we wanted to do is to find a way to bring all this together in the context of a system that companies can use to deliver great experiences on an ongoing basis and just have it move from being something that people do in parts of the organization to being just the way they work, right? That's just shifting ways of thinking and working and giving people the tools to do it. Yeah. So that whole idea of silos, and that is such a, a term that's bantered around for, it seems like decades. And I don't understand why uh, we can't let everybody know, hey, uh, we all need to do better and, and show them a number and let's have a common goal. We're at, you know, on our customer satisfaction scores, we're at this. And you mentioned measurement. Why yeah. can't we be this? What does each group need to do individually contributing to the whole outcome or the final yeah. outcome of that yeah. customer's experience. And so you bring people together as a team, not as individuals. Yep. And it's, it's, you know, each group needs to do it individually and collectively. Yep. yep. To your point, right. A common goal, but also a common framework within which they need to work together to help deliver against those goals because one group doing it doesn't actually help if all the other groups aren't working alongside them. Right. So this is a perfect place for us to have a real short break and when we come back, I want you to hit on exactly that point. What, what in the system allows the team to break up from doing things individually to come together as part of a system, as part of a team, rather than these silos that you know we keep, keep hearing about? <laughs> and by the way, this is, and I'm not much, I love sports and people who follow me and know me, I'm a big fanatic in hockey, but I mean all sports, but I know this much. You can have three or four superstars on a team, okay, superstars, the best of the best, yeah. and the team loses 
because they operate as individual superstars and not collectively as a team. And uh, I could go on and on with analogies like that, but let's take a short break. Let's come back. And everybody, once again, the book is called Experience Rules. If you're listening to the show, the day it comes out, unfortunately, you're going to have to wait just a little bit to get the book. But we're talking with Michael Hinshaw, one of the authors. Diane Majors is the other. And we will be right back. Don't go away. One of my favorite sayings is that customer service isn't a department. It's a philosophy. And it's a philosophy that must be embraced by everyone in the organization all the time, and that's 24-7. So if customer service is important to you, and I know it is, then you will love our virtual training, the ultimate on-demand customer service and experience training program that you can access anytime, anywhere. Now, the course content applies to everyone, regardless of position and responsibility, from senior executives to the most recently hired and everyone in between. You'll discover tips, ideas, and strategies that won't cost your company a fortune, but will produce what I call moments of magic, those positive experiences, and it will happen at every level of your organization. So go to Customer Service VT. That's V as in virtual, T as in training. That's CustomerServiceVT.com. It's time to get customer focused. You're listening to Amazing Business Radio with best-selling author and customer service and business expert, Shep Hyken. We're back on Amazing Business Radio. We are talking with Michael Henshaw, the co-author of Experience Rules. And before the break, I ask that you would share with us how you break down the silos. How do you get everybody to come together as a team, even though all these different departments throughout companies, and even they could be on the other side of the world, depending on how big the company is, or maybe they're just in another room, but how do you get these silos to break down and come together and operate as one huge, great, fun team? Yeah, well, the short answer is it's not easy. <laughs> okay, as you know. well, thank you. Okay, and that's our interview for <laughs> yeah, today. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> so, uh, but that being, you know, that being said, somewhat tongue in cheek, the, the reality is that people want to work with each other. And we talked about this a little bit earlier. It's like there, there isn't, uh, you know, in the vast majority of organizations, there's not a plan to make it difficult for customers or to make it hard to work internally. But what we've seen is actually getting, I mean, it's, pretty simple. It's getting people together in environments that allow them to have conversations around what's happening to the customer. One of the common tools that's used in customer experience improvement is journey mapping. And one of the reasons that journey maps as a tool, not the only tool, right? Pretty widely used, but one, one of, of my re- favorites, but one of the reasons the journey maps are so successful is it actually allows an organization to look at that journey that a customer takes in pursuit of a particular goal and then understand how different parts of the organization positively or negatively expect, uh, affect that experience. So what ends up happening uh, without something like that to provide a common framework is the conversation you know, tends to go like, well, you know, sales guys saying, well, marketing folks, you over-promised and under-delivered. You said you do all these great things. And then we're trying to sell something that we can actually sell. And our customers' expectations are set unrealistically by marketing. And of course, the service folks say the same thing to sales folks. Well, we're trying to actually deliver the service that we can deliver, that we're able to deliver, but sales folks, you guys overpromised. So our customers' expectations are set unrealistically. And so in an environment like that, the conversations around, you know, where where did the uh, water start flowing downhill rather than how do we fix it? And getting people in a room collaboratively allows the conversation to be around what the customer's needs are and how we can collectively fix that 
rather than finger pointing internally to figure out, you know, how to assign blame. It's about working together collaboratively across organizations to say, oh, wow, looks like our systems don't allow us to hand this off from here to here, for example. Or, you know, we need to find a way within the sales process to provide greater clarity around what service delivery levels are. Um, Otherwise, everything ends up rolling downhill, as you know, and, and nobody likes to be on the downside of that. Yeah, I get it. I get it completely. The, uh, you know, and we can even go a step further. Somebody in the warehouse that doesn't do a great job packing up product that a customer buys, ships it off, it comes damaged when the customer opens it up. Now we got another set of problems. So I think that at, to your point, you know, as you look at each one of these touch points and interactions that customers have in the journey map, you yeah. got to look behind the scenes as to not only what's driving the entire experience, but what's driving that individual touch point can be really important as well. And, you know, it's interesting, you know, you brought up that just having someone from the top say, hey, this is important for us to do, doesn't actually move the needle. The entire organization needs to mobilize around this. And to do that, exactly using your example of the person in the warehouse, there needs to be clarity around what that experience needs to be broadly. And importantly, it has to not only be, you know, spoken about consistently from the top, it also has to be made real for every person in the organization in the context of their role and their responsibilities, right? We worked for years with a very large technology company and for a very long time, it seemed like legal's job was to make it really hard for people to get out of contracts that were bad. That was called the sales prevention department. That's, <laughs> that's right. That's a room with all the yeah. lawyers. and <laughs> yeah, Going to an entirely you know different conversation after all these great interactions, it's like, my gosh, this is like a... You know, this is an indentured servitude contract. This isn't actually a contract that's got my best interest at heart. But, you know, lawyers don't historically or traditionally think of themselves as affecting the customer experience. But it's huge, the impact they have. Once you're able to expose that to them in the context of, hey, here's what we're trying to do as a company. And here's how you as a compliance attorney or contract attorney, whatever your job might be, here's what you need to do to actually deliver against the experience. They're like, oh, my gosh, that's fantastic. Um, right. So it's helping that warehouse person understand that they're an important part of delivering a consistent experience for the organization and the lawyers and the accountants and many who have no direct contact with who would never consider that they would affect the experiences customers have. So the first thing, it starts with leadership deciding it's going to be done and then communicated well. And here's the thing, even people in the warehouse the legal department, the accounting department, they need to go through some type of training to understand what their role is so that they can be in sync with what the total mission is. Yep. There's, and that's that's the alignment piece, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Where everybody in the organization needs to be aligned to a common goal uh, or a common set of goals. And those goals have to be translated down in ways that are you know relevant for each part of the organization. There also has to be accountability. So you can get everyone aligned and everyone's happy, happy. But if the person in the warehouse says, you know what, I get it, but it's going to take me an extra, you know, three seconds to do this thing over here. Um, if they do goof up those deliveries or they don't do that extra step that they're required in their role to do, there needs to be accountability on the back end of it. So alignment first, accountability second. It doesn't mean the accountability has to be punitive or anything else, but it's important that we understand this is where we're going. This is why it's important for us to do it. Here's what I have to do. And if I don't do that, 
there's a, a negative consequence of some sort, which so there's the both the intrinsic and extrinsic motivators to get people pointed in the same direction. Yeah, I think it's important to understand if you don't do what we need you to do, this is what could happen. Not not like this is what's going to happen to you, but yeah. this is what happens down the line exactly. with the whole process. Why your job, even though you don't think working in the warehouse or you don't think working in the baggage claim area at an airline or you think working behind the scenes, crunching a number, if you don't do what you're supposed to do the right way, there's, you know, down the road, you know, I always say people don't recognize they're either directly dealing with a customer, they're supporting somebody that is, or they're supporting the process yep. that is. So it's one of those three. And one is not any more important than the other. Yeah, they all have to work together. Yeah, yeah. You fail on the inside. You know, it's my favorite example of this is the baggage claim department. You know, there's that little room right next to when you get to the airline and you go to collect your bags and it's going around the carousel. There's a little room there and there's always somebody in there. Nobody ever pokes their head in there and say, hey, guys, just want to let you know, you're awesome. I got my luggage today. <laughs> no, only people go yeah. in there angry. And what happened? Somebody put the baggage on the wrong plane or didn't even get it to the plane. And as a result of something that happened with an employee that never sees the passenger, that person on the front line. So they, this person behind the scenes fails two people, the direct customer, a passenger as well as and, their internal yeah, and, and their fellow employee. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I love it. So in the book, you have a section, how you work. And this is part of it. This is transforming to uh, better to better serve the customers, which is all about culture. And uh, I, I don't know. I think I, are there any other comments that you want to share with us about this? Yeah, I'd say, and I, I mentioned this briefly earlier, but I'll just kind of come back to it and uh, you know put an exclamation point, bold text, and underline, which is shifting ways of thinking and working. Because most people in in jobs roles have been doing their jobs and their roles very well a certain way for a long time, mm -hmm. and one of the challenges with making that shift towards a more customer centric organization is giving people the tools that they that they need to begin to make that shift. So it's understanding exactly you know you mentioned this earlier. It's showing them what the positive benefits are, as well as what the, the negative ramifications of an organization not making this shift. And it's making it real at every part of the organization. It's not a you know, flavor of the month. It shouldn't be, right? It's not just a, this is corporate strategy for H2. It's this is how we're going to work from now on. And to do that, we need to give people the information they need and, uh, and, just, and the knowledge so yeah. that they understand and can care about that broader mission. Yeah, and I think the XOS experience operating system, um, you I think you have to be willing to adapt, change under circumstances as technologies and innovation come about and you can take advantage of them. That's gonna make the jobs change a little bit more. But at the end, the end needs to be the same. And that's why uh, when it comes to customer experience, I believe nothing's really changed in the last, I don't know how many years since, uh, I mean, I think Luke Carbone came up with the concept of customer experience end to end, although experience has been around for much longer than that. It was just named that. But at the end of it all, uh, what's, what's really changed? Customer decides to do business with you. Customer wants to be happy when they're finished doing business with you and happy enough to come back and do it again. You know, everything in the middle could change, I guess, but the basics haven't changed. <laughs> I think it's going to be the same 25 years from now. 
as it turns out, customers are still important to staying in business. <laughs> exactly. That's not good. It's not going to change. Great look. Great way to wrap that one up. All right. Let's let's wrap it up with one final question. You know, I always like to do this. It is the one thing question. Let's focus on your book. What is the one little extra nugget of wisdom that you want to share with us from the book Experience Rules uh, that you want to share with our audience? I think the the biggest is the organizational leadership's commitment. Um, and when I say commitment, it's not just saying we're going to be customer centric now. It's giving your people internally the, I guess, the the, the tools, uh, but also the confidence that they can go and execute against this without it being a flavor of the month. Um, and in too many cases, we've seen where you know customer centricity is important. Executives say it's critically important, but actually delivering against it in a way that's meaningful to customers and to employees is a difficult thing to do. Yeah, I think, uh, and I'm going to wrap, I normally just let it in there, but I'm going to, I just want to follow this up to your point. It's just not something you say. It's probably, if you really look into your vision and value statements, if you're a good company, what you're looking to achieve is already in there. So it isn't the flavor of the month. It just hasn't been executed on properly. Yeah. Yeah. I guess it's more ambition than uh, reality. And we need to turn that into a reality. Yeah, no longer a case of where I, this is one of the things I quoted in my book where I was talking to a CEO of a mid-sized organization and asked them what their their values and vision were. And he cast about a little bit. And he says, oh, and pointed at a poster on the wall behind him and said, those are our values and our vision. But he couldn't articulate it. He wasn't sure what they were, but he knew that he had them in the room somewhere. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that doesn't work. <laughs> Oh, man, that's great. That's great. Well, this is why we call it Amazing Business Radio. Thank you so much, Michael, for being on the show. My pleasure, Shep. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, my pleasure. All right, everybody, that wraps it up. Uh, just remember the book again. It is called Experience Rules by Michael Henshaw and Diane Majors. And Majors is spelled with a G, not a J. I don't think her parents intentionally misspelled the name, <laughs> but it is a good way to separate yourself. Go and check it out. Uh, I know you're going to love the book and we will be back next week with another amazing interview. So until that time, this is Shep Hyken reminding you to always be amazing. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.